Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Chapter 9. I am offered a quest. The next morning, Shiron moved me to Cabin 3. I didn't have to share with anybody. I had plenty of room for all my stuff, the minotaur horn, one set of pair, spare clothes, and a toiletry bag. I got to sit at my own dinner table, pick out all my own activities, call lights out whenever I felt like it, and not listen to anybody else. I was absolutely miserable. Just when I started to feel accepted, to feel I had a home in Cabin 11, I may be a normal kid, or as normal as you can be when you're a half-blood, I've been separated out as if I were some rare disease. Nobody mentioned the hellhound, but I got the feeling they were all talking about it behind my back. The attack had scared everybody. It sent two messages. One, that I was the son of a sea god, and two, monsters would stop at nothing to kill me. They would even invade a camp that had always been considered safe. The other campers steered clear of me as much as possible. Cabin 11 was too nervous to have sword class with me after what I'd done to the Aries folks in the woods. So my lessons with Luke became one-on-one. He pushed me harder than ever. I wasn't afraid to bruise me up in the process. You're going to need all the training you can get, he promised, as we worked with swords and flaming torches. Now, let's try the viper beheaded strike again. Five more... 50 more repetitions. Annabeth still taught me Greek in the morning, but she seemed distracted. Every time I said something, she'd scowl at me as if I'd just poked her between the eyes. After lessons, she would walk away muttering to herself, Quest, Poseidon, dirty, rotten, got to make a plan. Even Clarice kept her distance, though her venomous looks made it clear she wanted to kill me for breaking her magical spear. I wish she would just yell or punch me or something. I'd rather get into fights every day than be ignored. I knew somebody at cabin resented me. Maybe one night I came into my cabin and found a mortal newspaper dropped inside the doorway, a copy of the New York Daily News, open to the Metro page. The article told me almost an hour to read, because the angrier I got, the more the words floated around the page. Boy and mother still missing after freak car accident by Aline Smith. Sally Jackson and son Percy are still missing one week after their mysterious disappearance. The family's badly burned 78 Camaro was discovered last Friday on the North Long Island Road with the roof ripped off and the front axle broken. The car had been flipped and skidded for several hundred feet before exploding. Mother and son have gone for a weekend vacation to Montauk, but left hastily under mysterious circumstances. Small traces of blood were found in the car and near the scene of the wreck, but there are no other signs of missing Jacksons. Residents in the rural area reported seeing nothing unusual at the time of the incident. Mrs. Jackson's husband, Gabe Lingo, claims that his stepson Percy Jackson is a troubled child who has been kicked out of numerous boarding schools and expressed violent tendencies in the past. Police would not say whether son Percy is a suspect in his mother's disappearance but they have not ruled out foul play. Below are recent pictures of Sally Jackson and Percy. Police urge anyone with information to call the following toll-free Crime Stoppers hotline. The phone number was circled in black marker. I wadded up the paper and threw it away, then flopped down in my bunk bed in the middle of my empty cabin. Lights out, I told myself miserably. That night, I had the worst dream yet. I was running along the beach in a storm. This time, there was a city behind me, not in New York. The sprawl was different. 
buildings spread further apart palm trees and a low hills in the distance. About a hundred yards down the surf, two men were fighting. They looked like TV wrestlers, muscular and beards and long hair. Both wore flowing Greek tunics and one trimmed in blue, the other in green. They grappled with each other wrestling, kicking, and headbutting, and each time they connected, lightning flashed, the sky grew darker, and the wind rose. I had to stop them. I don't know why, but the harder I ran, the more wind blew me back, until I was running in place, my heels digging uselessly in the sand. Over the roar of the storm, I could hear the blue-robed one yelling at the green-robed one, Give it back! Give it back! Like a kindergartner fighting over a toy. The waves got larger, crashing into the beach, spraying me with salt. I yelled, stop it! Stop fighting! The ground shook. Laughter came from somewhere underneath the earth, and a voice so deep and evil it turned my blue to ice. Come down, little hero, the voice crooned. Come down. The sand split beneath me, opening a crevice straight down to the earth of the center of the earth. My feet flopped and dark swallowed me up. I woke up, sure I was falling. I was still in bed in cabin three. My body told me it was morning, but it was dark outside and thunder ruled across the hills. A storm was brewing. I hadn't dreamed that. I heard a clop sound at the door, a hoof knocking on the threshold. Come in. Grover strutted inside looking wearied. Mr. D wants to see you. Why? He wants to kill. I mean, I better let him tell you. Nervously, I got dressed and followed, sure that I was in huge trouble. For days, I'd been half expecting to be summoned to the big house. Now that I was declared a son of Poseidon, one of the big three gods who weren't supposed to have kids, I figured it was a crime for me to just be alive. The other gods had probably been debating the best way to punish me for existing, and now Mr. D was ready to deliver their verdict. On Long Island Sound, the sky looked like ink soup coming into a boil. A hazy curtain of rain was coming in our direction. I asked Grover if we needed an umbrella. No, he said. Never rains here unless we want it to. I pointed at the storm. What the heck is that then? He glanced uneasily at the sky. It'll pass around us. Bad weather always does. I realized he was right. In the week I'd been there, it had never even been overcast. The few rain clouds I'd seen had skirted around the edges of the valley, but this storm, this one, was huge. At the volleyball pit, the kids from Apollo Cabin were playing a morning game from the satire. Dionysus' twins were walking around in a strawberry field, making the plants grow. Everybody was going about their normal business, but they looked tense. They kept their eyes on the storm. Grover and I walked up the front porch of the big house. Dionysus sat on the pinchillo table in his tiger-striped Hawaiian shirt with his Diet Coke. Just as he had on my first day, Sharon sat across the table in his fake wheelchair. They were playing some invisible opponents, two sets of cards hovering in the air. Well, well, Mr. D said without looking up, our little celebrity. I waited. Come closer, Mr. D said. I don't expect me to kowtow to you, mortal, just because old Barnacle Beard is your father. A net of lightning flashed across the clouds. Thunder shook the windows of the house. Blah, 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 Dionysus said. Chiron framed interest in his pinnacle card. Grover cowered by the railing, his hooves clopping back and forth. If I had my way, Dionysus said, I would cause your malignant 
molecules to erupt in flames. We'd sweep up the ashes and be done with this. A lot of trouble. But Sharon seems to feel that this would be against my mission at this cursed camp to keep you little brats safe from harm. Spontaneous combustion is a form of harm, Mr. D. Sharon put in. Nonsense, Dionysus said. Boy wouldn't feel a thing. Nevertheless, I agree to resign myself. I'm thinking of turning you into a dolphin instead, sending you back to your father. Mr. D, Sharon warned. Oh, all right, Dionysus relented. There's one more option, but it's deadly foolishness. Dionysus rose, and the invisible player's cards dropped to the table. I'm off to Olympus for an emergency meeting. If the boy is still here when I get back, I'll turn him into an Atlantic bottlenose. Do you understand? And Percy Jackson, if you're at all smart, you'll see that it is a much more sensible choice than what Sharon feels you must do. Dionysus pulled up a playing card, twisted it, and it became a plastic rectangle. A credit card? No. A security pass? He snapped his fingers. The air seemed to fold and bend around him. He became a hologram, then a wind, then he was gone, leaving only the smell of fresh-pressed grapes lingering behind. Sharon smiled at me, but he looked tired and strained. Sit, Percy, please. And Grover. We did. Sharon laid his cards on the table, a winning hand he hadn't gotten to use. Tell me, Percy, he said. What do you make of the hellhound? Just hearing the name made me shudder. Sharon probably wanted me to say, heck, it was nothing. I ate health hounds for breakfast, but I didn't feel like lying. It scared me, I said. If you hadn't shot it, I'd be dead. You'll meet worse, Percy, far worse before you're done. Done done with what? Your quest, of course. Will you accept it? I glanced at Grover, who was crossing his fingers. Um, sir, I said, you haven't told me what it is yet. Sharon grimaced. Well, that's the hard part, the details. Thunder rumbled across the valley. The storm cloud had now reached the edge of the beach. As far as I could see, the sky and the sea were boiling together. Poseidon and Zeus, I said, they're fighting over something valuable, something that was stolen, aren't they? Sharon and Grover exchanged looks. Sharon sat forward in his wheelchair. How do you know that? My face felt hot. I wish I hadn't opened my big mouth. The weather since Christmas has been weird, like the sea and sky are fighting. Then I talked to Annabeth, and she overheard something about a theft. And I've also had been having these dreams. I knew it, Grover said. Shh, satire, Sharon ordered. But it is his quest. Grover's eyes were bright with excitement. It must be. Only the oracle can determine. Sharon stroked his bristly beard. Nevertheless, Percy, you are correct. Your father and Zeus are having their worst quarrel in centuries. They're fighting over something valuable that was stolen. To be precise, a lightning bolt. I laughed nervously. <laughs> a what? Do you take this lightly? I am not talking about some tinfoil-covered zigzag you see in second-grade play. I'm talking about a two-foot-long cylinder of high-grade celestial bronze capped at both ends with god-level explosives. Oh. Zeus's master bolt, Sharon said, making worked out. Now, the symbol of his power, from which all other lightning bolts are patterned, the first weapon made by the Cyclopses for the war against the Titans. The bolt has sheared the top off Mount Etna and hurled Kronos from his throne, the master bolt which packs enough power to make mortal hydrogen bombs look like firecrackers. 
and it's missing stolen, Sharon said. By who? By whom? Sharon corrected. Once a teacher, always a teacher. By you. My mouth fell open. At least Sharon held up a hand. That's what Zeus thinks. During the winter solstice, at the last council of the gods, Zeus and Poseidon had an argument. The usual nonsense. Mother Rhea always likes you best. Air, disasters, and much spectacular than sea disasters, etc., etc. Afterward, Zeus realized his master bolt was missing, taken from his throne room under his very nose. He immediately blamed Poseidon. Now God cannot usurp another god's symbol of power directly. That is forbidden by the most ancient of divine laws. But Zeus believed your father convinced a human hero to take it. But I didn't. Patience and listen, child, Sharon said. Zeus has good reason to be suspicious. The forges of the Cyclops are under the sea, which gives Poseidon some influence over the makers of his brother's lightning. Zeus believed that Poseidon has taken his master bolt, and now, secretly having the Cyclopses build an arsenal of illegal copies, which might be used to topple Zeus from his throne. The only thing Zeus wasn't sure about was which hero Poseidon used to steal the bolt. Now Poseidon has openly claimed you as his son. You were in New York over the winter holidays. You could easily have snuck into Olympus. Zeus believes he's found his thief. But I never, ever been to Olympus. Zeus is crazy. Sharon and Grover glanced nervously at the sky. The clouds didn't seem to be parting around them. As Grover had promised, they were rolling straight over our valley, sealing us like in like a coffin lid. Oh, Percy, Grover said, we don't use the C word to describe the Lord of the Sky. Perhaps paranoid, Chiron suggested. Then again, Poseidon has tried to upset Zeus before. I believe that was question 38 on your final exam. He looked at me as if he actually expected me to remember question 38. How could anyone else excuse me of stealing a god's weapon? I couldn't even steal a slice of pizza from Graves' poker player, Ernie, without getting busted. Chiron was waiting for an answer. Something about a golden net, I guess? Poseidon and Hera and a few other gods, they like trapped Zeus and wouldn't let him out until he promised to be a better ruler, right? Correct, Chiron said, and Zeus has never trusted Poseidon since. Of course, Poseidon denies stealing the Master Bolt. He took great offense against the accusation. The two have been arguing back and forth for months, threatening more, and now you come along. The proverbial last straw. But I'm just a kid, Percy, Grover cut in. If you were Zeus and you already thought your brother had plotted to overthrow you, and then your brother suddenly admits that he'd broken the sacred oath he'd taken after World War II, and that he'd fathered a new mortal hero who may be used as a weapon against you, wouldn't that put a twist in your toga? But I didn't do anything. Poseidon, my dad, he didn't really have this master bolt stolen, did he? Sharon sighed. Most thinking observers would agree that thievery is not Poseidon's style, but the sea god is too proud to try convincing Zeus of that. Zeus has demanded that Poseidon returns the bolt by the summer solstice. That's June 21st, 10 days from now. Poseidon wants an apology for being called a thief at the same date. I hope that diplomacy might prevail, that Hera or Demeter or Hestia would make the two brothers see sense. But your arrival has inflamed Zeus's temper. Now neither god will back down, unless some interventions required, unless the master bolt is found.
and return to Zeus before the solstice, there will be war. And do you know what a full-fledged war would look like, Percy? Bad, I guess. Imagine the world in chaos, nature at war with itself, Olympians forced to choose sides between Zeus and Poseidon, destruction, carnage, millions dead, Western civilization turned into a battleground so big it will be make the Trojan War look like a water balloon fight. Bad, I repeated, and you, Percy Jackson, would be the first to feel Zeus's wrath. It started to rain. Volleyball players stopped their game and stared in stunned silence at the sky. I had brought the storm to half Camp Half Blood Hill. Zeus was punishing the whole camp because of me. I was furious. So I have to find the stupid bolt, I said, and return to Zeus. What better peace offering, Sharon said, than to have the son of Poseidon return Zeus's property. If Poseidon doesn't have it, where is the thing? I believe I know, Sharon's expression was dim. Part of the prophecy I had years ago, well, some of the lines make sense to me now. But before I can say more, you must officially take up the quest. You must seek the counsel of the oracle. Why can't you tell me where the bolt is beforehand? Because if I did... You would be too afraid to accept the challenge. I swallowed. Good reason. You agree then? I looked at Grover, who nodded encouragingly. Easy for him. I was the one Zeus wanted to kill. All right, I said. It's better than being turned into a dolphin. Then it's time you consult the oracle, Sharon said. Go upstairs, Percy Jackson, to the attic. When you come back down, assuming you're still sane, we will talk more. Four flights of stairs ended under a green trap door. I pulled the cord. The door swung open down. A wooden ladder clattered into place. The warm air from above smelled like mildew and rotten wood and something else. A smell I remembered from biology class. Reptiles. The smell of snakes. I held my breath and climbed. The attic was filled with Greek hero junk. Armor's stands covered in cobwebs. One bright shield pitted with rust. Old leather steamer trunk plastered with stickers saying, Ithac, Circle Eels, and a land of the Amazons. One long table was stuffed with glass jars filled with pickled things, several hairy claws, huge yellow eyes, various other parts of monsters. A dusty mounted trophy to the wall looked like a giant snake head, but the horns of a full set of shark teeth. The plaque read, Hydra Head Number One. Headstocks, New York, 1969. But the window sitting on the wooden tripod stool was the most gruesome memento of all. A mummy, not the wrapped in cloth kind, a human female body shriveled to a husk. She wore a tie-dyed sundress, lots of beads, a necklace, and a headband over the long black hair. The skin on her face was thin and leathery over her skull, her eyes were glassy white slits, and it was the real eyes had been replaced by marbles. She had been dead a long, long time. Looking at her sent chills up my back, and that was before she sat up on her stool and opened her mouth. A green mist poured from the mummy's mouth, coiling around the floor in thick tendrils, hissing like 20,000 snakes. I stumbled over myself trying to get the, to the trapdoor, but it slammed shut. Inside my head, I heard a voice slithering into one ear and coiling around my brain. I am the spirit of Delphi, speaker of prophecies of Phoebe Apollo, slayer of the mighty Python. Approach, seeker, and ask. 
I wanted to say, no thanks, wrong door, just looking for the bathroom. But I forced myself to take a deep breath. The mummy wasn't alive. She was a kind of gruesome receptacle for something else. The power that was now swirling around me in a green mist. But its presence didn't feel evil, like my demonic math teacher, Mrs. Dodds, or the Minotaur. It felt like more like the three fates I'd seen knitting the yarn outside the highway fruit stand. Ancient, powerful, and definitely not human, but not particularly interested in killing me either. I got up the church to ask, what is my destiny? The mist swirled more thickly, collecting right in front of me around the table with the pickled monster parts jars. Suddenly, there was four men sitting around a table playing cards. Their faces became clear. It was Smelly Gabe and his buddies. My first clenched. Though, I knew this party, poker party couldn't be real. It was an illusion made out of mist. Gabe turned towards me and spoke in a raspy voice of the oracle. You shall go west and face the god who has turned. His buddy on the right looked up and said in the same voice, You shall find what is stolen and see it safely returned. The guy on the left threw his two poker chips then said, You shall be betrayed by one who calls you a friend. Finally, Eddie, who began to dissolve, and you shall fail to save what matters most in the end. The figures dissolved. At first, I was too stunned to say anything, but the moist mist retreated, coiling into a huge green serpent and slithered back into the mouth of the mummy. I cried, wait, what do you mean? What friend? What will I fail to save? A tail of mist snake disappeared into the mummy's mouth. She reclined back against the wall, her mouth closed tight, as if it hadn't been open in hundred years. The attic was silent, abandoned, nothing but a room full of mementos. I got the feeling that I could stand here until I collect gob cobwebs too, but I wouldn't learn anything else. My audience with the oracle was over. Well, Sharon asked me. I slumped into a chair at the pinnacle table. She said I would, would retrieve what was stolen. Grover sat forward, chewing excitedly at the remainders of the Diet Coke can. That's great! What did the oracle say exactly? Sharon pressed. This is important. My ears were still tingling from the reptilian voice. She said, she said, I would go west and face a god who had turned. I would retrieve what was stolen and see it safely returned. I knew it, Grover said. Sharon didn't look satisfied. Anything else? I didn't want to tell him. What friend would betray me? I didn't have that many. And the last line, I would fail to save what mattered most? What kind of oracle would send me on a quest and tell me, oh, by the way, you'll fail? Nope, I said, that's about it. He studied my face very well, Percy, but know this. The oracle's words often have double meaning. Don't dwell on them too much. The truth is not always clear until events come to pass. I got the feeling he knew I was holding back something bad, and he was trying to make me feel better. Okay, I said, anxious to change the subject. So, where do I go? What is this god in the West? Ah, uh, think, Percy, Sharon said. If Zeus and Poseidon weaken each other in a war, who stands to gain? Somebody else who wants to take over, I guess. Yes. Quite. Someone who harbors a grudge who has been unhappy with his lot since the world was divided eons ago, whose kingdom would grow powerful with the deaths of millions, someone who hates his brothers for forcing him into an oath to have no more children, an oath that they both have now broken.
I thought about my dreams, the evil voice that had spoken from the under the ground. Hades, Shira nodded. The god of the dead is the only possibility. A scrape of aluminum dripped out of Grover's mouth. Whoa, wait, what? A furry came after Percy, Shiron reminded him. She watched the young man until she was sure of his identity, and then tried to kill him. Furies obey only one lord, Hades. Yes, but but Hades hates all heroes, Grover protested, especially if he found out Percy is one of is a son of Poseidon, a hellhound got into the forest, Sharon continued. Those are only be summoned from the field of punishment, and it has been summoned by someone within the camp. Hades must have a spy here. He must suspect Poseidon would try to use Percy to clear his name. Hades would very much like to kill this young half-blood before he can take on the quest. Great, I muttered. Those two major gods who want to kill me. But a quest to... Grover swallowed. I mean... Couldn't the lightning bolt be the same place like Miami? Miami is very nice this time of year. Hades sent a minion to steal the master bolt, Chiron insisted. He hid it in the underworld, knowing full well that Zeus would blame Poseidon. I don't pretend to understand the Lord of the Dead's motives perfectly, or why he chose this time to start a war. But one thing is certain, Percy must go to the underworld and find the master bolt and relieve the truth. A strange fire burned in my stomach. The weirdest thing was, it wasn't fear, it was anticipation. A desire for revenge. Haiti had tried to kill me three times so far. With the Fury, the Minotaur, and the Hellhound. It was his own fault. It was his fault that my mother had disappeared into a flash of light. Now he was trying to frame me and my dad for theft who had we hadn't committed. I was ready to take him on. Besides, if my mother was in the underworld, whoa boy said the small part of my brain that was still saying, You're a kid. Hades is a god. Grover trembled. He was starting to eat pinnacle cards like potato chips. The poor guy needed to complete a quest with me so he couldn't could get his searcher's license, whatever that was. How could I ask him to do the quest, especially with the oracle said I was destined to feel? That was suicide. Look, if we know it's Hades, I told Sharon, why can't we tell the other gods? Zeus and Poseidon will go down to the underworld and bust some heads. Suspecting and knowing aren't the same, Sharon said. Besides, even if the other gods suspected Hades, I imagine Poseidon does. They can't retrieve the bolt themselves. Gods cannot cross into each other's territories, except by invitation. That is another ancient rule. Heroes, on the other hand, have certain privileges. They can go anywhere, challenge anyone, as long as they're bold enough, strong enough to do it. No god can be held responsible for a hero's actions. Why do you think the gods always operate through humans? You're saying I'm being used. I'm saying it's not accident. Poseidon has claimed you now. It was a very risky gamble, but in his desperate situation, he needs you. My dad needs me. Emotions rolled around inside me like bits of glass in a kaleidoscope. I didn't know whether to feel resentful or grateful or happy or angry. Poseidon had ignored me for 12 years. Now suddenly he needed me. I looked at Chiron. You know, I was Poseidon's son all along, haven't you? I had my suspicions, I said. I've spoken to the Oracle too. I got the feeling that he was there was a lot he wasn't telling me about his prophecy, but I decided I wouldn't worry about it right now. After all, I was holding back information as well. So let's get this straight. I'm supposed to go to the underworld and confront the Lord of the Dead. Check. Chiron said, first the powerful weapon in the universe, check, and get it back to Olympus before the summer solstice in 10 days. That's about right. I looked at Grover who gulped down the ace of hearts. 
Did I mention that Maine is a very nice this time of year? He asked weakly. I don't have, you don't have to go, I told him. I can ask that of you. Oh, he shifted his, no, it's just that satires and the underworld places, well, he took a deep breath and then stood brushing the shredded cards and aluminum bits off his t-shirt. You saved my life, Percy. If you're serious about wanting me along, I won't let you down. I felt so relieved I wanted to cry, though I didn't think there would be heroic. Grover was the only friend I'd ever had for longer than a few months. I wasn't sure what good a satire would do against the forces of dead, but I'm pretty felt pretty knowing he would be with me. All the way, G-Man, I told Chiron. So, where do we go? The Oracle said we needed to go west. The entrance to the underworld is always in the west. It moves from age to age, just like Olympus, but right now, of course, it is in America. Where? Sharon looked surprised. I thought it would be obvious enough. The entrance of the underworld is in Los Angeles. Oh, I said naturally. So, we get on a plane? No, Grover shrieked. Percy, what are you thinking? Have you ever been on a plane in your life? I shook my head, feeling embarrassed. My mom had never taken me anywhere by plane. She always said we didn't have the money. Besides, her parents had died in a car crash. Percy, think. You are the son of the sea god. Your father's bitterness revival with Zeus, lord of the sky. Your mother knew better than to trust you in an airplane. You'd be in Zeus's domain. You would never come down back alive. Overhead, lightning crackled. Thunder boomed. Okay, I said, determined not to look at the storm. So I travel over land. That's right, Sharon said. Two companions may accompany you. Grover is one. The other one has vol already volunteered. If you will accept her help. Gee, I said, feigning surprise. Who else would be stupid enough to volunteer for a quest like this? The air shimmered behind Chiron, and Beth became visible, stuffing her Yankee cap into her back pocket. I've been waiting a long time for a quest. Seaweed brain, she said. Athena is no fan of Poseidon, but if you're going to save the world, I'm the best person to keep you from messing up. If you do say so yourself, I said, I suppose you have a plan, wise girl. Her cheeks colored. Do you want my help or not? The truth was, I did. I needed all the help I could get. A trio, I said. That'll work. Excellent, Sharon said. This afternoon, we can take you as far as the bus terminal in Manhattan. After that, you are on your own. Lightning flashed. Rain poured down on the meadows that were never supposed to have violent weather. No time to waste, Sharon said. I think you should all get packing.